realize your guy's show is for the lore, which seems like it actually for the lore, and it almost <laughs> works. <laughs> You're listening to For the Lore, the podcast that delves into the craft of our favorite games, whether lore, gameplay, or game design. Joining Roger is Joe, writer from WoW Insider and World of Maticus, and Vince from Massive Nerd. Hello and welcome to For the Lore. This is Roger coming to you on Monday, September 3rd. A little earlier than normal, but that's all right. We've got a fantastic episode lined up here for our T-minus 3 episode. And it's actually just going to be me and Joe two-manning it. So that should be fun anyways, just considering the, the wealth of information that we've got to relay from this game. So Joe, welcome to the show, of course. Oh, of course. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, the game in question, of course, is the game that several years back, if you go back and listen to... Ah, oh, damn it. I think it was one of our... New Year's episodes where I'd said that if there was one game that would take me away from WoW, it would be this one. And it is Guild Wars 2. I actually still have the magazine. It was a gaming magazine from 2007 that talked about the announcement that it was coming out. If you actually have an iPhone or iPad, uh, I'll make sure to put the picture as the, uh, the uh, just look at your screen and you'll see it now. But it was a game that I was seriously interested in because I I did love Guild Wars so very much. I absolutely adored that game, and I played the crap out of it as well. So when the announcement had come for Guild Wars 2, I was super jazzed, especially when they talked about some of the things that they were going to be putting into it as well. Now, they've talked about a lot of the things since then, and before the launch, of course, and some of the things I will say kind of got hyped a little too much and we'll get to that a little later on when we're talking about how we think what we think about different mechanics in the game and whatnot but what we're going to do is we're actually going to break it down now and go over first the different races and the quest lines therein and then we're going to touch on the professions a little later on and then what issues we think are still in the game right now so we're going to start off with what we both agree is the worst race in the game right now and that is the human race because quite frankly they cannot make <laughs> farming epic there's just no way nope. in hell you can make farming epic now no. granted there are a lot of different ways that you can play through your classes or i should say your profession sorry i'm gonna screw that up constantly um your your I should actually say your races. Your race's quest line, because your race's quest line is determined by choices that you make at character, character creation. creation. Yeah, right. so depending on which you choose, you will get a completely different um, race, your main storyline. You're still going to have all the side quests that you do in that starting area, which in this case, as the humans, they are insanely boring the most exciting thing that you do is take care of a centaur menace which yeah okay that's that's fine um you deal with a few bandits but a lot of the other stuff is so unbearably boring now the main storyline though 
the one that I had during beta that I, I played was the one where you were a kid off the streets. And I found that one to be absolutely terrible. And can correct me if I'm wrong, but that's the one that you were playing through, right? It is the one I was yeah. playing through. And you're agreeing, right? <laughs> it, okay. There's bland questing. There's always going to be bland questing in every game you have. It, it happens. You get to a point where you have to fill in a gap to get to something else. But these are just so unbearably vanilla. It's not even funny. Like, there's only so much you can do when you're trying to make this weird hybrid blend between World of Warcraft and fucking Aladdin. Because that's what it really was. Like, the street or the whole off the street street urchin thing, that's what it felt like. It felt like trying to take, like, the humans from World of Warcraft and give them that sort of Disney esque Aladdin flavor. And all of a sudden, you have a street urchin. No, that's, that's not how it works. It was just so boring like it wasn't it didn't feel engaging it was felt very disjointed it was it felt very cobbled together and i hate to say that but it really really did well it's not just that but it also did not you never got a true sense of a fear of where things were going or of danger or there was nothing thrilling about that quest line in particular because even when you're fighting the the gangs on the street you know, all I could think of is like gangs in West Side Story that start dancing and singing <laughs> randomly because they're that dangerous looking okay it just was nothing at one point you deal with one group of them and it's laughable how easy it is i think part of my other problem with it too is in and it has to do with the the professions and i started as an elementalist on my human so i'm raining fire on this shit and i'm like i'm a street urchin raining giant talons of fire onto them doesn't exactly fear very feel very fearful well there's you know? a lot of that there's i know that they wanted to make it so that every race could play every profession however that creates a disconnect i mean yes. that is something that wow did right as well as a lot of other mmos of course but wow is the easy go-to um wherein it just makes sense that certain classes would not or i sorry certain races would not be able to be certain classes because it's just it doesn't make sense in that that lore so you get that feeling when you're playing different classes here now granted the the problem also is that and and this is where star wars really spoiled me the star wars questing is based on your class not your race true there's a few differences based on what your race will be however it's based on your class so if you're a smuggler you're getting the smuggler story you're not getting the human story and that's where you can tailor the storyline to fit with who you are if you're an epic badass elementalist you should not be doing the same quest line as if you are a sneaky subtle thief kind of thing because it just it doesn't work. And I'm really hoping that we get more of that in different MMOs where they understand that you should be basing on class because that defines so much more of who they are than their race. Well, and, and I will give them this, and we'll get to that when we get to the, the other races, but the Ashura were the perfect balance for that. And, and I'll talk about that more later on. Yeah, but, but the, the Asura were the perfect balance for everything. Everything, true. So, but we'll, we'll get into that in a little bit. Yeah, so... My human is actually a, a ranger. I, and I'm not going to lie to you. I actually forced myself to make him a human, knowing full well that the storyline probably is going to suck. 
merely because a i wanted to give it another chance by choosing something other than street urchin and also because i i, I do want to play through it to see whether or not it does improve at any point. And also because I wanted to know what the the racial level 30 abilities would be for the humans. So if you're making all of your classes or professions the same race, well, you're going to wind up with a lot of the same level 30 uber spells. So mm. I wanted something different. So And because my human is a ranger and I've spent all of my time for the most part going and gathering all of the pets, I actually haven't progressed on his storyline. Now that I've got all of the pets, which we'll touch on later, I'm going to now start the um, the quest line for him to see if it is getting any better. Okay, moving on from there, let's touch on the char. Now, the char is the one that I believe you did too. I played it during the beta. We yes. talked about it during the beta. I It was in comparison in the beta to you were playing it at the same time as the human initially. The, the questing was insanely better. Now, my char during the beta was the one that was getting crapped on like crazy and he had to fight to prove himself it was fun but it was also still while i don't mind that they keep beating you down and you keep proving that no you can rise above it there's something for a certain type of quest line wherein you're made to feel epic you're made to feel like you're making a huge difference as well that that shot in the arm kind of thing so for this one i actually chose a different quest line and so it's been going a little differently so far now that said though he's my lowest level character he's only level five and that's because i played him with my son and so i i don't have enough yet to really go on and again we we did talk a lot about that during beta and i know yours isn't that high either you were saying no, mine's only about level six, but his story is a little bit different. Um, he's not being crapped on. He's actually being raised up as a hero. Yeah, um, you've got the same one as my son has. Yeah, which is which is very interesting to me because it's kind of cool. I like I, I like that sort of it has that classic fantasy feel yes, about it in yeah. that regard is what it really is. And really, so. we're playing these games to get out from the stereotypes in our lives <laughs> where we maybe get yes. crapped on by bosses or whatever. So to have a game where you are made to feel like you are the difference here, you're the reason why we won this battle, that does feel epic. And for some characters, you want that. Now, case in point, my char is actually a warrior. I don't want him to be the lowest rank in the army. I want him to be the highest. I want him to be the one that takes over and things like that. So again, as we talk more on that, or as we level him more, we'll see about talking to more about that more on the sites. Uh, now the next one I wanted to touch on is the one that I also really, really liked. I peg it one below the Asura and that's the Silvari. I got my thief up to level 11, 10 or 11. Um, and I completed what was the White Stag quest line, where she has the dream about the White Stag. And you played what is your Silvari? Mine is the Green Knight. Right. And, and she is a she is a ranger. Right. Yeah, you did the ranger because you liked the pets for the rangers the most. Oh god, the fern the fern hound was amazing. As soon as I saw that, I, that was that was I knew that was what my ranger was gonna be. Yeah. The what I knew is that you can tame any of them. So I figured I'm not gonna let that dictate which race i choose for my ranger i'll just pick up the fernhound and sure enough i did and the fernhound is actually located right in their capital city so you don't have to worry about messing around with clearing mobs or anything like that you just go there and you tame it same as their uh the pink bow is there as well so the the quest line and the area for the silvari i found was 
so unbearably cool. Now, I did it after my Asura. I'd only done a little bit prior, but then I went back to it after I was reached level 11 on my Asura, and I, then I just ripped apart the, the zone for Silvari. It's a very, as you would expect, expect lush zone, a lot of jungle setting and whatnot. The, the, the things that I found very cool with it, having read the novels especially, you get to work with Kaith a lot, who is the one of the central characters in one of the novels. That, again, it's not something that necessarily everybody would pick up on. If you haven't read the novels, it wouldn't mean as much to you. But you, she's still a really well-done character. Yeah, you, and you also are told of how important she is. But the cool thing is, if you did read those novels, you're like, holy crap in hell, I'm questing with Kaith here. Equivalent, I'm questing with Thrall. That yep. kind of thing. Um very, very cool quest line with her for the White Stag. Uh, you're doing a lot of fighting against uh, a group that essentially wants to, a nightmare group that wants to change the way that the, the way that different things work and uh, with the main tree too and things like that and wants to scare off different things. But there's problems with that group. And you have to go in, you you track this white stag spirit that you have seen in your vision kind of thing. It's it's hard to explain. You got to play through it. It was very, very interesting. I loved it. What did you think about your quest line? It was interesting because it started out, the, the Green Knights are sort of like the frontline warriors. They're the military group, essentially, um, of, the, of this race. And when you look at the Silvari, it's sort of... It doesn't really, it's not the first thing you think of when you see elves that are made of trees, essentially. You don't think this amazing military force. And it's kind of interesting for me, at least, uh, to sort of see how that's all working out. Um, I haven't gotten too far into it. Um, we've gotten into the part where it's they're securing, essentially, um, the safety of the people in the tree against what are essentially the forces of the nightmare. Yeah. So it's it's kind of this very interesting mix, um, and it's something that I'm going to spend a lot more time with after I'm done with my Ashura. The the side quests are very interesting as well for that zone. Like when we're talking about that nightmare zone, you actually at one point get to go into a closed-off area that is... Um, there's a whole bunch of those nightmare people there and you get changed, transformed into one of the nightmare versions of the Silvari. And then once you're in there, excuse me, you have to do some, some different things, whether it's dealing with the pups that are there that are being corrupted. You're dealing with people on the inside and everything. It's a very, very cool disconnect while still being blended, but it gives you that opportunity to play as the other side and infiltrate them kind of thing. Uh, I found it very cool. Likewise, there's other quests that you do while you are in that zone, like the Fernhound quest line, where you get transformed into, into a, a Fernhound, fern and mm -hmm. you go and you attack the spiders and all kinds of things. And there's a dynamic that event that happens in the Fernhound pup's pen where they're being attacked by spiders and all that. And if you're playing the quest line, which I was, where you're transformed into the Fernhound, you just dive in there and you're protecting the cubs, or the pups, I should say, from the spiders while you're still in the Fernhound body. It was unbearably cool. And because of the nature of the events, you're fighting with a dozen, two dozen other people. Some of them are informed, some are not. 
everybody's running all over the place. It's it, it's mayhem, but it's controlled mayhem, and it's so much fun. I I loved that little side storyline, uh, and it, and it's not like it's that long, but it's so well done. And then there were some other things that were fun in that zone as well, primarily. The pirates and zombies, <laughs> because <laughs> pirates and zombies are always cool. So here you have zombies of various races. Little zombie asuras, still cute as a button, still cute. <laughs> and so you're—they are not cute. They are delightfully evil, sir. <laughs> so there's a lot of stuff that you're doing there as well, where there's undead forces that are being brought up and again you've got like these pirate settings these zombie settings you're going into caves and fighting them all off as well i really really love that a lot and then you have the um something that will be worth mentioning too is how insanely intricate not just the world is but those friggin' capital cities Oh, God, yes. When you are going to the capital cities, some of them, you could fit all of Stormwind or Orgrimmar into, like, one subsection of them. The grove for the Silvari is very cool. It's a little bit more unique than the others in terms of how it plays with the different levels. But I love how they give you uh, running speed bonuses if you want to take the ramps. Or you can take these pods that chop her up or down kind of thing, which is a nice little effect. It's got four levels, that one, and within are sections for where you can go and talk to Kaith, where there's other different questing that happens in subsections of it. It's just this gorgeous, gorgeous area, and within, same as within all the others, there's these different vistas. Now, again, if you yep. haven't played this game, the vistas are ex essentially point points of interest. Some of them are very difficult to get to. Some of them are quite easy to get to. And you basically go, you hit your F once you, your F key once you get there. And then it gives you this really nice cinematic of the zone. And well, not just of the zone of that specific location. Yeah. Let's, and let's, yeah. Yeah. And then in some cases, it will also show you the cinematic in a manner that points towards something as well, whether it's a chest, which is a point of interest or different things like that, so that you can see, oh, if I go over there, there might be something for me kind of thing. It's a nice little dynamic, plus you get experience for it anyway. And, and not we'll, only that, but these are important for something else later, which we'll talk about with the 100% map completion. Yeah, yeah. See, the, the thing that's important with the, um, the, 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 the experience, again, like I was saying, is that you're getting experience in this game not just for grinding. You're getting from experience everything. from everything, but you will actually get more experience from going out and exploring the world and taking part in whatever dynamic events that are happening as you're out into the world. So they've created a system where they don't want you just to stay in one little area and grind mobs forever. You're really not going to level quickly if you do that. So these vistas are important because of that. You see those little double red triangles, go and see it. So Again, we've got some very interesting things happening with the Silvari, not the least of which being their racial benefits that you have at level 30, which involve, well, even a little before that, a lot of rooting things and whatnot for crowd control. It's, it's a great race. I really, really enjoyed them. Now, let's actually, we're going to actually jump over. I know we said, I said we were going to do a server next, but let's jump to the Norn and we'll save the best for last. Sir. So the Norn, I got my, my Mesmer. I decided to make a Mesmer, which didn't seem to fit, but I actually made it a female Mesmer and she's still tough as freaking nails. And I got her up to level 11 and I completed what was the Minotaur spirit quest line. Yep. 
Is that the same one you did? That's the same one I did. Uh, I wound up doing that on my thief, my female Norn thief, which is like Conan, but with better boobs. Yeah. Okay, well, I'll let you go on this for a little bit. Well, the cool thing about the, the Norn is that it, it's the stereotypical Viking, but with a little twist. They are the, the sort of uh, tribal people, right? And they, they settle in the mountains, they settle in the harsh lands, but they revere the spirits. And each of their spirits, uh, they're, they're animals, whether it's the hawk, the snow leopard, um, whatever it is, they, they have a sort of reverence for it. In this particular case, uh, the story arc revolves around the spirit of the wild um, or the minotaur kind of being displeased. And what it starts happening is this, the initial quest is there's a, you, for me at least, and I don't know if it was different for you, I assume it was the same, you're guarding a group of wolves to their shrine, uh, which is literally the wolf spirit shrine, uh, trying to get them safely there, and you're guarding them after wave of wave and wave of these minotaurs, and they get bigger and nastier and just more agitated as you go along. And it starts this whole thing where now you have to discover exactly why everything is getting so agitated. And this is at a time of the great hunt, the great uh, celebration, essentially, where the moot is going on, where your character is supposed to take its place of honor uh, in this big sort of festivities. And you have to temper your, your own glory, essentially, with now the betterment of your people and find out what the hell is going on. And I thought that was kind of an interesting touch uh, because it, it really, I don't know about you, but it compelled me to want to not ignore that and just kind of keep going. And they did it in such a way where I didn't feel obligated. I felt like it was it was intriguing enough that I felt rewarded for going off and finding out what was going on. Well, see, that's how it's doing it for all of the races, which that is something that I really do like in terms of you're not forced to do, well, it's still the same. (laughs) It's just you don't want to in that case. You're not forced to do your main storyline. You can go and do the side story, the side missions and whatnot. But if you are compelled enough to do the main storyline, then you, you can go off and do that. Yeah, no, absolutely. But it it's just, it was refreshing. And it was refreshing to sort of see, for me, it was all about seeing how everything sort of integrates together back into the race, how it all folds back in. And that folding back in was all done through, for me, just the, and, and I'm, I know I'm saying this a lot, but it was really true. It was just that reverence for the spirits and the way that they weren't these barbarians, these brutes, they weren't just mindless pillagers. They were deeply spiritual people, and to see the concern, and, and I don't know about you, but I, I talked, I tend to talk to everybody in every zone. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm walking up to everybody, and some of the dialogue that they had, like the concerns that like just local people, and it doesn't trigger any events or anything like that. It's purely flavor, was just mind blowing. So as the events are spiraling, you know, greater and greater out of control, you see these people's concern, not just for themselves, but for the well being of these spirit protectors, these totem animals. Th- that's another important thing to to mention about this too is that for the most part like you're not going to see a lot of arrows or anything above or exclamation marks above people's heads it's a matter of go up to them and talk to them and sometimes it'll be someone who sells something or whatever now some of them do have different symbols but there's a lot of times you can just wander and talk to people and you're going to get a lot of these little interesting bits of lore uh case in point on my human i happened to be in lion's arch and i was trying to get to a friggin' chest that is one of these <laughs> jumping around dynamic kind of parkour things and i got to one section that was difficult enough to get to and this kid ran by me 
nothing on top of him that says I could talk to him or anything. And I'm wondering, what the hell is this kid doing here? So I go up to him, and then I can talk to him. And then he lets me know that that's his place. What are you doing here? This is my place just for me. And there's just this little bit of lore that had I not run up to him to talk to him, I wouldn't have got. And so that's something that you get a lot of, like you were saying in the Norn section. I actually found that, I mean, the the storyline starts right off the bat with the Great Hunt, which of is... Course made to seem like this insanely epic thing but i said this during beta and i'll say it again that ice worm dies way too easily so what is supposed to feel epic what is setting you up as the you know the winner of the great hunt the this great slayer of the great hunt and yet it was nothing to slay the beast oh i don't and know about that because me it was hard as hell we had a really? ton of people try we had a ton of people doing the event at the at that the time. would make a difference then and it was so hard that even with like 30 of us and we're sitting there and we're wailing on this thing and he summon it summons many more ads to deal yep. with like i died at least twice and had to to save myself and rely on other people to get me up because it was hitting that hard oh, see, so it was a much more epic of a battle i did it both times during beta and now again when i did it there was me and only a couple of other people and if that's the case it's got to still scale enough that it's still going to feel epic if you're even by yourself and unfortunately it felt like i could spit on this thing and it would die it was a joke how easy it was. So whenever from that point they're saying, oh, the great slayer of the the big hunt, the great hunt and all that, and I'm going, give me a break. It was a joke. It was nothing. So that created a disconnect with me. But then that all boils down to fine-tuning events, which is something right. that we'll talk about later during what we think are issues in the game. So from there, for me, it wasn't... Um, the wolves i think you're probably the wolves that you're talking about that quest line is actually just a side quest like the the wolves the ravens and the snow leopards those are side quests that you do they're not part of the main no, quest no, no line. but it, it's not part of the main quest line but it ties into the main yeah quest. oh yeah yeah exactly yeah yeah and then you go and you um you escort a guy a trader and it's at that point too that no maybe later you're working with also one of the characters from the novels as well, which for the life of me, I can't remember her name. Um, and then from there, you're going to figure out what's going on with the the Minotaurs to figure out why they're so upset and things like that. There is a group, a rogue group calling themselves the Sons of uh, Svanir, and they worship Jormag. Now, Jormag is the dragon that came along and basically wiped out a whole crap load of them again in the novel. It, although it's, par, it's very well... Uh, depicted here so you get an idea of who this is and so you are fighting against this this group which again i mean there were some quests that were far more epic although some of them still feel felt kind of easy a little bit too easy and that's i think one of the biggest things that i had a problem with in that starting quest line and the the lore behind the people is rock awesome. solid. The the communing with the spirits, rock solid. The the quest line for the the whether it's you're running around with the pack of wolves and you become a part of the pack, awesome. When you're doing uh you're transformed into a snow leopard. Eh, it's a cool mechanic, but all you're doing is chasing down friggin' bunnies. The raven one, all you're doing is putting eggs in a freaking or answering thing, questions. Or answering questions. So a lot of the things were created that disconnect where it's not as epic as the lore leads you to believe. Which so is sad. Really. Very, very, very sad because I, and and 
it, I mean, it might build up from there. So it might still become something that is worthy of what I'm hoping it will become. Because the, the, the lore is there, it's just the questing doesn't match up to it in terms of how epic it could be. So... Again, I put that one as my probably my fourth because I did enjoy the char that I did, did during the beta more than I did enjoy this. I give it. I'll give it my third. Right. Okay. Honestly. Well, let's go to what we both agree is the number one, and that is the Asura section. Now, I got my engineer up to level eleven, and I completed the Golem couple essentially uh, quest line. I don't know which one you did. I'm on the valet. Line, which is what I just finished it. All right. So when you care, when you create your Ashura, um, you have a choice of what your big accomplishment was and what sort of put you on the radar for the entirety of the Ashura people. Like what made you this big star? And I chose a thing called the Valley Golem. And it was a golem that was created to make everybody's everyday life infinitely easier. Uh, so my character uh, started as a crew member to creating this new interface based purely on the fact that they were able to make these wonderful golems that improved everyday life. And these are the cleaners, the cooks, um, the merchants. These are the everything golems that you see everywhere inside the city. So I thought that was kind of nifty to see how that, you know, that was one of the choices is you're the one that brought all these like tiny little golems everywhere. And from there, I don't know if you had, we, and I'm sure I assume this is the same for everybody. Uh, the golem that you were working on with your crew goes haywire, just absolutely goes bonkers. Problem is, there's a pilot, and the pilot winds up going through this semi-fusion with the golem where they're, the pilot's trying to maintain her identity, uh, her identity consciousness, while, whatever, yeah. Yeah, while struggling with you know being part of this golem. And one of the other crew members is actually in a relationship with her, and so he's completely freaking worried. So... You start going after this group called the Inquests, and these are the <laughs> sort of the radical golem makers. Little and bastard Inquests are all over the place. <laughs> they're all over the place. I oh, and it, it, the story gets even more complicated with them. I, I, I was shaking oh my, my fist as my at my screen. Damn you, Inquest bastards! <laughs> I, I was sitting there, and I'm saying, "You son of a bitch!" <laughs> oh God! So what they are is they they are they're like they take souls out of bodies and they fuse them into golems to essentially power them and give them human-like qualities, essentially, or living being-like qualities while stripping away everything. Um, to put it in the best way I can possibly think of, it's like they took a page out of Moffat's book and made fucking Daleks a real thing in goddamn video game because that's exactly what these are with the Inquest. They strip out all the, the emotion from these people and stick them in the golem bodies, and that's how they make it. So I'm sitting there, and that's the first thing I, I notice. I'm like, you bastards. They're <laughs> Daleks. That's, okay, it, that's actually the same questline as what I did. It's, it's the, the couple that... The that uh, the golem couple, but I don't know what right. you did at the end. What did? Oh, okay, what, I, 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 as if we have to say it now. Spoiler warning. <laughs> yeah, this is going to be spoilers, folks. I'll let you go first, and then I'll explain to you what I did. Okay, so what happens is that again, you have the the one female person who during the um, it wasn't the presentation; it was a fight, or was it the presentation? It was a presentation. Presentation, yeah, goes ballistic, and then it gets fused in. She gets fused in with a golem. You have to go and try to find her first of all, subdue her second. And one of the very cool things about this, again, 
is that much like the Silvari where you're working with Keith. Here you're working with Zoja. Zoja. Oh my God. Zoja. Zoja is actually the one that is in the novel as well. Also is the one that if you have any backgrounds or any images that you see for the Ashura race, like if you have a wallpaper for that's her on her special golem. And she is being voiced by Felicia Day, who does just an absolutely fantastic job. Now, Zoja is in, like I said, the novel plays a very important part of the novel. I found that actually in the novel, and I love that freaking novel. That was the second one, I believe. Yeah, I think it was yes, the second one. It was the second one. The the part that she has, her and Snaff, her her boss, was just so unbearably awesome. At points hysterical, and then at points serious and touching. It was just fantastic. And so, being able to quest with Zoja is just all manner of awesome. It's just, it makes you giggle inside. Whether you know the history or not, it's just awesome. Oh, yeah, she's a phenomenal character. Oh, yeah. Especially for those that haven't read the books. She's a phenomenal person to work underneath, actually, as far as questing goes. Friggin' tough woman, too. Female character. She's tough, and she's but intelligent. And and like almost all Asura, which, again, if you've read the books, you know, full of themselves. (laughs) But in Mm -hmm. a way that when it's presented, it's hysterical. Unlike Vince, that just gets on our nerves when he's full of himself. <laughs> but so anyway, so you're working with her and then you go and you you do subdue the golem, which has your crewmate in it. But then all this time you've been dealing with the, the male Asura in your crew who has been in a relationship with her. If I'm not mistaken, his name is Braxt? Braxt? Yes. Yeah, okay. So what he says at one point is, if we cannot take her out of the golem, you're putting me into one. I want to be fused into one so that we can still at least be together. Now, Zoja is already telling you, listen, this is not a good idea, okay? We don't know whether you're going to lose your consciousness entirely and just become this mindless robot or golem or, or what. It'd be safer to take her, try to take her out. But you do know that in doing so, there's a very high risk that she will she die, die during the process. So you're given the choice. You're either going to fuse... Brax into one or you're going to try to retrieve her i you know what this is to say a lot because not since star wars have i actually pondered okay what a am i gonna very do very difficult decision yeah like i sat there for several minutes thinking like odds are i'm not gonna play another one right away and definitely not one where i would choose the same thing like in terms of the 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 the, the racial storyline i'd pick something else so i can experience that so I'm like thinking, what the hell am I going to do here? And I actually chose to fuse Brax to a golem. Oh, see, and I did the exact opposite. Dude. I chose to rip her out. Oh, mine was awesome. Mine was just so friggin' cool. And again, if you, we spoiler warnings were announced already, but she you you fuse them and it's a successful fuse so you have these two golems that are a couple and the dialogue between them is fantastic and then they just kind of walk around together whatnot i mean there's a huge fight where you have to fight the inquest because you have to go to the inquest lab to get their technology that allows the fusing of the spirit but you also have to fix it so that it doesn't fail because the inquests are not nearly as good as the regulars are. And well, it's not as much as they're not good. They don't care. Well, there's that too. They're not as smart as how it's presented over and over again. And so it is a successful fuse and it was fantastic. 
see for us we did have to raid the inquest lab and i think that part stays the same um but it was this epic epic battle with uh, against inquest slaves which were like etons Ooh, nice. and reptile folks and we had to get this untested technology that the inquest hadn't perfected which was uh, this triforce type thing that you had to use to rip them out like it was to defuse people and what it was it was an evolution of the fusing technology that they sort of scrapped but had under lock and key because they didn't want anybody reversing their work so there was this huge raid where it's you and zoja and her golem and Braxed, and you're going through, and you are wrecking shit in this lab. You are blowing up containment tanks. You are destroying golems. Um, there's a couple where you have to, you see that they're freshly fused golems, where literally an inquest mages comes out of nowhere and rips the souls out of two, two of the inquest defenders and puts them in these dormant golem bodies, and it's like a mini boss fight. And it was just this absolute epic battle. And then when you get to the device, you have to hold off these waves of inquest long enough for Zoja to basically break it all down. And then you have to take it back to the lab. And this is when you make another you, you make a choice with Braxt, where, again, he's like, this could kill her. I'm not sure I'm OK with this. And you have to talk to him. And it was cool because when you start your character, you get three options of personality. And it's whether it's I think it's a dignity perseverance or ferocity. charm ferocity is in there ferocity well. that was it i'm yeah. sorry it was not perseverance uh ferocity um and you have to use your you interact through a series of questions that you have to essentially satiate him you, you have to calm him the fuck down before you can proceed and so like my character sitting there it was all when i created it the character was all about dignity it was respecting the work it was <laughs> respecting the process and it was you know it was it will work. It will work because we care. And he had to explain. He's like, look, we're not the inquest. We actually care what happens to our people. Zoja's working her ass off fixing this. I'm working my ass off fixing this. We are not going to let you down. You need to trust us. And I was like, we've been your, I've been your crew member. I've had your back. And I care about her. Maybe not nearly as much as you do. But she is still an important part of this team, and I don't want to see her lost. And it's sort of this epic, touching exchange. And then eventually, and then like Brax is still separate, and my character gets an option. He's like, "All right, you know what? That's enough. Shut the fuck up and just go to work." And it was literally, it said, "You know what? Shut up and do your job." And that's exactly. And I picked that. I was like, and then he was like, "Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, I should probably do my job." And he runs off and he goes to the console to do his stuff. Okay, and dude, this, dude, 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 just explain to, for people, okay? Now, Joe and I have been playing games since we were kids, okay? Oh God, we've yes. been, we've done epic storylines, we've done everything. Now, just explain to you here, while listening to him talking about this, having played through it, I got little goosebumps remembering mm -hmm. how awesome it felt to do it. That and, and speaks so highly of something so like this. Well done. It was and, awesome. Oh. It was. Once you like by this time you've done a lot in the zone. If you if if you took your time and you were messing around in the zone, if you took your time to talk to a variety of people, to take part in all of the events taking place, if you really got involved in all of the stuff going on in that zone, and in our cases, if you read the books and and for me especially also having played Guild Wars One. The Asura quest lines and, and, and area are so far advanced 
from all the others, in my opinion, that it's it's laughable. And so when you're actually doing it, if you really take part in it, I'm, I'm not I'm not shitting you. Like little goosebumps thinking about how awesome it was that quest line leading up to that. Oh, absolutely. And it was it was one of the more engrossing storylines that I've gotten to participate in. And it was really, really cool. And for me, at the end, because of choice domain, apparently this can this can shift. Um, and there's a couple different outcomes. One is like what Roger had where you fuse the the boyfriend essentially into another golem and they're a golem couple. One is you rip her out, but she dies. And the other one is you rip her out and she succeeds. Um, I don't know what the triggers are for the, the other ones, yeah. but I was able to succeed because of the choices I made and because of the conversations I had. Zosha did some math and she said we have an 87.99% yeah, <laughs> chance of succeeding with taking her out successfully. And I talked to one of my other friends who did it. He's like, yeah, no, she she died. I tried to rip her out and the, the whole thing just like exploded and she was just dead and Brax was all angsty and, and emo <laughs> and stuff. He's like, I have no clue what I did, but we had like a 10% chance of succeeding. I went for it anyway. And, and it was it was hysterical because I'm sitting there and like, and there's this big touching moment. And it was cool because for me, when she was out of the body, like Brax is sitting there, he's on his knees, he's crying and he's so happy she's out of the golem and he loves her so much. And then she starts fucking with him and she starts talking like the golem. <laughs> the, this unit is happy to see Brax. It has been long. <laughs> And then he starts crying. He's like, no, what did you do? And then she smacks him, you dumbass. And it was hysterical because I'm sitting there and I'm just laughing because it was like, you know what? That's exactly what Renee would do to me. Yeah. It's exactly what she would do to me. She would fuck with me like that. And there's like, a, there's they, a little... There's yeah. quite a few little tongue-in-cheek moments like that, yes. too, that are really, really fun. Which, again, goes right back to the novel, because you have that in the novels. Mm -hmm. So I'm so glad they added it. And, it, of course, for the most part, it's in the Asura's race as well. And and I will say that Asura or the, the Asura have this wonderful, wonderful ability, because of their type of race, to blend sci-fi and fantasy. And that's oh, really yeah. what it is. Yeah. And all of this... All of this... Um, sort of give and take between it is this wonderful dichotomy, especially when you have people like, you know, Felicia Day doing some of the voice work, you give them the opportunity to sort of explore their geekdom a little bit more and kind of bleed their own personality into it, which is fantastic. But have you, have you gone past the couples part? I actually just finished that and I stopped so that I could work on the others. I, I got okay. the quest for the next one, but I didn't do it yet. Okay. So I'm going to give you some more spoilers here, folks. And this is going to be the time for you not to listen. And after you're done with ripping out the body um, of, you know, or fusing the body, when you're done with the, the Golem Couple quest line, your quest line changes. And what winds up happening is you get notification that a murder essentially happened using, in my case, the Valet Golem. So the Golem that I had created that had gotten me recognition and the fact that I had gotten the SNAF prize, that I got this, this prize for being the, a descendant, essentially, of SNAF for being a genius. Now, all of a sudden, somebody got killed with my invention. And so there's this big story arc where you have to go and you have to find the location, which is way out in the middle of nowhere. Um, and this is like sort of palatial estate that another Ashura has. And you have to fight your own Gollum. And it's a bad, long fight. And it's hard. Um the thing has a lot of mechanics that you have to pay attention to. It is probably better than any instance boss I've faced in a very long time in any other game because it requires you to adapt. 
And not only do you have to adapt to it originally, but as the fight progresses, every 30% of its health you get down, it evolves as well. So it changes its tactics. And there was actually one point where it was throwing objects at me from around the place. And so I had to dodge while doing damage, and then I had to dodge. And then I'm an engineer, so I would place turrets to kind of assist me. And then it would start targeting and taking out my turrets so that I didn't do as much damage to it. Like, it was a very smart fight. And by the time I'm done with it, after I get finally done, I'm, like, sitting there. I have, like, a sliver of health left, and I'm just like, god damn. So then you have to root through the golem to find out what happened. And you find out that your fundamental design for the golem had been changed. And you go back through the records of the Assurance Hall because everybody's inventions are common. Like, you can check them out from the library and, and check them out. And you see that three people have checked it out. Two people that are sort of, one's a scavenger, one's a golem fighter. Um, like, literally, he builds golems to do nothing but fight. And the other one is one of the high council members of the Ashura. And the high council are sort of the political body that makes all the decisions that rule the Ashuran race, whatever choices they make, whether it's you know, finding a new place to live, like in the case of where they are right now, along the Tarnished Coast, or whether it's to accept the inquest as part of their, you know, their, their people, which comes up later. Um, or, you know, basically everything. Everything that they do is, is decided by this council. So my character is like, well, I don't think it's going to be the councilman, and also they're too big for the bridges. So I started at the lower end of the totem pole and went after the scavenger. The scavenger hires these things called script, and they're rat people. Real rat, yeah. And they're kind of cool because the more that you have, and, and they show this in the game, the more that are grouped together, the smarter they are. They have like this weird sort of rat hive mind. And when you see one, they're friendly, they're not really, you know, violent at all, and they're kind of dumb. And they talk in really fast, broken English, essentially. But as you get more of them, they get smarter. Their sentences are less fragmented. They also become a lot more resistant to being given tasks and realize the worth of things. So when I go up to this one dude, I think his name was, was I think it was Kreppa. He's got a ton of script and he's been hiring massive amounts of script to go out and scavenge parts for him to make valley golems cheaper to undercut me, essentially. And what winds up happening is there's this huge script uprising in the middle of me trying to interrogate him. And so eventually my character had a choice of either defending him or letting the script have him. So my character said, you know what? Fuck it. You stole my shit. Here you go. <laughs> have him. And he's like, no, no, no. I brought, I'll tell you whatever you want to know. So then I had to save him from this massive amount of script. But it turns, comes up to find out that it's not him. Like we get his modifications. We, we rebuild the golem that he built, his version of it. And it's not him. His shit just breaks. It's just really cheaply made. He was like the Chinese knockoff of Valet Gallows. So I'm like, I whatever. I'll go see the other one. The other one's a robot fighter. Got to be something to do with him. He's building stuff for violence. Sure, why not? Go and, fi go and find him. Start getting back and forth. He's a little more of a hard ass. And his response was, you know what? No, I'm not telling you shit. You're going to have to beat me in a Gollum fight. That's what you're going to have to do. You can't beat me in the golem fight, not telling you a damn thing. So you and Zoja actually create a very special golem specifically for this golem fight. And you have to survive four rounds with four different golems to complete the quest. And it's tough. I died a couple times. Not to the big one. To the, there's this one where these little tiny twin valet golems come out to fight you. Those bastards hit fucking <laughs> hard. So eventually I 
you, you, I managed to blow up after many attempts, managed to blow them up. And so I get through and he's like, look, you're a good fighter. I'm not going to deny it. You make golems better than I do. Here's my blueprints. Rebuild his, his golem. No, it just doesn't have all the subroutines for cleaning. He took everything else out. So violence is there. The defense is there. So that leaves just the council member. And it turns out, like, we, we were able to get the, the blueprints. Okay, is this going to be... I haven't played this already. It's, like, tons of spoilers. Is this going to ruin it for me? <laughs> I, I don't know if you're going to come to the same conclusion, but I'm going to leave it off here. But all I'm sitting there thinking to myself at the beginning of this is, this is somebody higher up on the council, and I've gone through two other people that don't have it, so it's definitely this person. What the fuck am I getting into? And I'm not going to spoil it, but I just finished this literally right before coming out of the show. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. Like, I'm sitting there, I'm like, wow. And there's still more for me to do. Oh, yeah. This is still early on this in the is, game. This is, and I'm, I'm almost level 20. And this is just, it's such a well-done quest line. I'm thoroughly impressed. Yeah. Like, it just, the Ashura have been my favorite race since before. This just solidifies it. Yeah. See, the I found as well that in the the starting area, too, that it's all of the dynamic events and everything that's going on with the side quests and everything that's going on with the main quest worked so much better in that zone. Um, like, I mean, there's madness everywhere. Just, just freaking madness everywhere. But the side quests blend perfectly into that madness. It all makes sense. It It's all very, um, very dynamic. You've got tons of both NPCs and real people playing all over the place, different things going on. I just found that it was the perfect setting for this. And I mean, when you're looking, say, at the kids' school, where mm -hmm. those little bastards are getting into trouble every single day, all <laughs> the time. And there's a lot of different quests that happen there, dynamic events that happen there that you can take part in. And there's, it's not always the same thing there. Are, yes, it does repeat itself often, but there are different things as well that happen in that zone. And even just hanging out in the kids school, listening to them, like you were talking about going and talking to them, but I mean, there's, there's spoken words going on all over the place where they're talking to each other and listening to this, the kids, who are these mini Asuras, so they're just as full of themselves, that are there. And their one thing is the 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 equivalent of your mama is, it's your, mo your mom. Your mom is so stupid, she thinks a golem answer is something you get from a golem question. <laughs> <laughs> and they go back and forth. And they'll go back and forth about four or five times, and then finally one will say, no, but really, your mom's really smart. Yeah, yours too. <laughs> <laughs> And there's so many of those things. And then when you're looking at the vistas in that zone, they are insane because you get all of the beauty of the Asuran architecture, which has this, like you were saying, the sci-fi aspects. Mm -hmm. And you've got like these clear stepping stone kind of things. And you've got all kinds of wicked golem architecture. There's so much. It looks gorgeous and then when you insert that into that like somewhat jungle setting or a high foliage it just looks amazing and some of those vistas are a challenge to get to with a lot of jumping um 
And then you also get like the, the, there's a hidden cave. I don't know if you found that underneath a waterfall. If you yes. swim underneath there, sometimes there's a boss event that happens there. You get all of the golem stuff that you can do too, where you are either fixing them up or you can play golem chess, kind of the equivalent of golem chess. There's these little platforms all over the place where there's two golems and then you control one either against an AI or a person. And then you fight against each other, which is hysterical. And then as the level 30 traits, racial traits you it has to do with the golems as well i haven't actually gotten that far so i'm not sure of exactly what they are but when you're hovering over them you can see that's what they are so and then of course you've got the inquest bastards all over the place and they're trying to recruit some of the kids and it's just an absolutely phenomenal starting zone when you're looking at other mmos that have come past or that are in beta and you're looking at the blend of questing dynamic events um, NPCs, just random NPCs wandering around, the feel for the zone and everything. I'm hard pressed to think of another other than the Asura that does it quite that well. And that's, I mean, that's high praise. Very high praise. So they do. I mean, it really is a fantastic job. And the integration between all of the professions in that zone is just to be absolutely just praised yeah okay so let's talk about the individual classes now now we haven't played them all and of course we haven't leveled them that that far yet but we have actually put quite a ding in them i yeah, I've, I've got every class but the guardian i think i've played a little bit okay let's start with the the engineer which we oh, both kind of started off with yeah the um the engineer mine is a little certain and so is yours the engineer is I um, I I haven't played it in a few in a little bit now just because I've been concentrating on the other one so I'm going to have to go back to it. But when I was playing it was unbearably cool. I absolutely love the dynamics between the weapons because again if you don't recall as you change a weapon in this game it changes what abilities you can use. So the dynamics between the the different weapon types, but also more so than that, the different skills that you can unlock, whether mm -hmm. it's turrets or landmines or grenades or, or the freaking rocket boots, which <laughs> I love. It's a fantastic class that can have very, very good DPS with whether you're talking about your pistols or whatever, or it can have good range control if you're using a rifle, which can also allow you to actually shoot yourself into the air into a target <laughs> location. It's a very, very fun class to play. I ad adored it. I particularly love the engineer because of the versatility of the weapons. Um, but also because if you have a rifle, they make jumping vista puzzles so much yeah. easier. Because, oh, I have to guess how I'm jumping? No, I'm just going to launch myself to that spot. Okay, thanks. Ha <laughs> ha, everybody else. How much you want to pay that gets patched out? Because I don't think it will. The thief has a similar ability where you can go to a location, but it doesn't work with jumping over things and likewise the um, mesmer has a blink ability which doesn't allow you to jump onto things either i'm willing to bet that that will be taken out at some point i don't think so because of this because of the jumping platform puzzles that they have it makes it so easy well no even even with that it's still not all of them are not that very uh, not easy um like i i just completed the goem one um that took me three days of trying that bastard 
So, um, but yeah, and it also actually the engineer can make a fairly good group healer as well between Absolutely. the turrets and other things. Like it's, I really enjoyed the class. A healing lot. was healing was interesting, and I want to talk. I want to touch on that a little bit for the engineer because it's different than any other healer I've seen in any other game. Because you're not just directly healing people. You can have a turret down. You can heal with the turret, which is fine. Um, but you're leaving health packets and boost packets all over the place, like a first-person shooter almost. So, like, and, and I was enjoying World v. World as the engineer, as a healer, because I would just lay out these packets on cooldown, and people would only come up to them when they need them. You just don't have to click anything. Just run through them. Uh, there was one that gave a speed boost. I was able to give people, so if they had to run somewhere quick or, or run somebody down. And then there was uh, an elixir that gave them uh, sort of a boost, but only when they interacted with it. And it was a boost to, like, a random stat. But it was so interesting because I didn't have to direct heal. I didn't have to AoE heal. I basically just had to set it down and back away and make sure I didn't get my ass killed. Yeah, and it is. It's a very fun dynamic. Now, that goes for actually all of them, and we'll get into that as we talk to, about the different professions because each of them, well, I shouldn't say each of them, but a lot of them had utility for the group Mm -hmm. which didn't fit into your normal hierarchy of, of group mechanics that you see in other MMOs because they'd made it very clear you're in charge of your own healing. Yes, but you have something like this where you can leave something for somebody else to use or a turret that affects other people. And then same with the other classes that can really help boost uh, various things, whether it's the boons or whether you're talking about, um, say, the Mesmer, which can lay an area of effect spell, which anybody who dies in that can res back at full health. So there's a lot of things like that that made it cool. And it did make the engineer a class that I really could see myself playing, again, just for that healer mentality, go in and a different way of healing. I, I love the class. It was absolutely phenomenal. Now, let's move on to the Elementalist, one that I played the crap out of in Guild Wars, but I haven't played yet in Guild Wars 2. But you did. What did you think of it? It's very interesting, especially with the dynamic between the ability to heal and the ability to deal damage, because it's the four elements that you participate in, right? And it's the fire, air, uh, water, and I think it's uh, the last one is earth. Um and each one has its own dynamic. Like, each you know, fire is awesome as far as, like, dealing, like, AoE damage goes. Uh, lightning is stacking damage, which is kind of air, which is kind of cool because you target somebody and it's, like, the longer you're damaging them with an ability, the more damage it does each tick. So it takes a lot of target sticking. Um, the I haven't gotten the earth one yet, but the water is the, the healing and it's really, really cool because it's, depending on the weapon, it's all different. Whether it's online, you lay on the ground that people have to walk through, um, like a waterfall almost to heal themselves. Um, or whether it's a direct heal or whether it's like a geyser that bursts from the ground. Uh, the Elementals is a really interesting class. And it's particularly because the changes between each of the weapons is so different in the way that a spell works. It's very, very phenomenal. Very well thought out. Very, very well done. Yeah, see, I the only ex experience I've had with it for the most part has been my son has been playing an Elementalist. So, and again, a testament to how good this game is. My son, I'd been letting my son just create a character on my account and play it, but he wanted to play us together and whatnot. So he used 
some of his money. I shot in, of course, some. And he bought the game as well, just so he can make a bunch of alts and play it. And he made himself a little Asura, <laughs> a little male Asura with an afro. <laughs> and that's his <laughs> elementalist. And so we were playing together. And so we had that that dynamic of playing together as well, where he's putting his wall of flame and I'm shooting through arrows that are then on fire and different things like that. So we really got to experience that, which they talked about before where the, the, the group mechanics really can play together quite nicely. So what I was seeing though, again, he, and he's told me all about absolutely love the elementalist for that insane direct damage and being able to, especially he did a lot with fire that working together with your group. So yeah, he loved it. Okay, next up is The Guardian, which you are not that fond of. I have not yet played, but again, my son played the crap out of that, and he got his up to level 15. And he loved it because it is a different way of looking at tanking, where you are, it's that holy paladin, not holy even, the, the, the paladin which offers shields for the group, healing for the group, plus is tanking. And he loved it for that, especially not as much playing solo, but whenever he was in a large group working on downing bosses or for the random dynamic events and stuff, he loved it because, and, and everybody with him loved it because he was keeping people alive. He was putting bubbles all over the place, healing. So it's a, a fun class for that. And I am looking forward to playing it. You got nothing to say even about that? No, you still not really. don't like it. Okay, let's move on to the no, mesmer. Not my, not my thing. <clears throat> now the mesmer is one that we both really like as well. Now the mesmer in Guild Wars One, I played one, though I never got one to max level. The mesmer in one was different than this. It was still the quote unquote master of illusion kind of thing. However, I found that the gameplay in one was nowhere near as fun as the gameplay in two is. Gameplay for the mesmer in two. And this is what confused me with, with my choice of top with Engineer, is just that I adored the Mesmer in 2. When you're looking at differences in play style based on your weapon, and each one being unbearably awesome, I think that the Mesmer wins out. The Mesmer, you can play with a Scepter, which on every... Uh, after the, the first hit, so starting from your second, you're creating illusions, clones of yourself, up to three. And they're all hitting as well. And confusing then the target. Plus, you can send them in to either do damage to your target to confuse them to... I don't think it's fear, but there's something else. There's several things that you can do to your target. And then, if you have in your offhand a... A pistol, let's say, because they can have a pistol, which killed me. I've got a Norn <laughs> female, and I chose the smallest one so that she actually is only a little taller than a human, not this big freaking brute. So it fits with the Mesmer kind of idea. I don't know. A, a freaking monster of a Norn as a Mesmer doesn't fit for me. So um, so anyway, so she's this just slightly taller than human. And um, and the I've got the Heritage Hall of Monuments set. So she has that outfit on, which has this old Victorian style look to it. And seeing that pistol on the hip just kills me. I absolutely love that. And then some of the weapons that you get also have this nice little steampunk feel to them. And oh, yes. so 
she's got this thing, this pistol on one hip and the scepter on the other one. And this is just one weapon set that I have. And so you can create an image of yourself, an illusion of yourself that unloads dual pistols on your target. Now, if you are fighting, say, a mob, if it's a... Um, a skills unlock mob that's liable to be up a little bit longer that you're fighting. Mm -hmm. I had three clones of myself unloading pistols on this thing at the same time. It was bloody brilliant. And then on top of that, you can use, you can use a freaking great sword. Here's my mm -hmm. chick that looks like she's going to topple over from holding this massive sword in her hands. And my, my son's actually got an Asurin Mesmer as well. Them with a great sword is even more hysterical, but when you're doing your abilities with the greatsword, you make it hover in front of you and you're shooting these bolts from it. And then you can also shoot an illusion of the greatsword that'll bounce off of multiple targets. Or you can plant it into the ground and an illusion of it will come up where you select. There's so many awesome things. Move on to your torch. If she carries a torch in her offhand, I love the spell too. The spell is called the prestige. You disappear for three seconds and wherever you reappear, a burst of flame comes out to burn enemies. And then you also have the ability. If you want to go toe to toe, you can equip a sword. You can create a, an illusion of yourself at the target, and then you can swap places with it. So you immediately bounce to it, activate another ability that gives you, I think it's a hundred percent evade and you just chop them to bits and <laughs> then just get the hell out of Dodge. The, the dynamics between all of the weapons for the Mesmer were by far, in my opinion, the best. It was insanely Which fun. Which is cool because you have to consider, too, that the Mesmer, I mean, being that illusionist, I, you know, it, it it would seem that they got some of the coolest variety because of that, which is really well done, in my opinion. Like, all of oh, it yeah. looks absolutely fantastic. It, it was, and again, if, I, if, if I'm picking best, I'm looking at Mesmer and Engineer, and I'm I'm probably I would probably pick the Mesmer because see this is where yeah. I am too. I'm being like like you are too, the altaholic kind of thing. I want to play them all, but I'm thinking I need to level one to max to help out with money as well and to pass down good items and things like that. And I'm leaning towards doing that with the Mesmer just because it's been so much fun to play. And then they also get the insane AoE group buffs. The group revives. The utility that they can have for a group is really, really good. And I've seen that being in large groups for different random dynamic events. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, let's move on to the Necro, which I played during the beta. I'm not going to lie. I wasn't crazy about it in the beta, but I didn't level it far enough that that holds much weight. You did. What do you think about it? The Necro is really interesting because as you're playing the class, you have a couple different choices. You can rely on your pets, like Fiends, Chaos Beast, Blood Fiends, things like that, which all look really, really cool. Um, you can also go down the path of what are essentially like blood traps. And this is one of the coolest things. I've been playing around with this a little bit. And it's not direct damage spells, but you're laying down like wards almost across the battlefield and trying to lure the opponents over it so that it sort of activates while they're there. And you can have everything from like AOE gouts of like blood damage 
to like these huge things of like chaos magic that are just coming out of nowhere. And it's kind of this interesting thing because you don't normally associate a necromancer with like a trap class, but it's there. Well, it kind of fits, though. It it fits, again, if if you're looking at it in terms of, like, wards and not traps, per se, it -hmm. it does fit with that style. And and I thought that was kind of cool. And, you know, and then there, of course, there's the direct damage stuff like Shadow Bolts, Blood Bolts, things like that, which is fine, uh, and Curses. So, I mean, it's got a kind of wide variety of what you can do. And it's all, again, all based on what, you know, weapon you use and whether you're using, like, a stave or um, I think you can also use, I think it's a torch. Um, but there's a couple different things you can do that all sort of affect it. But I got to give them credit because it's it's not what you would have expected from a necromancer class in general, and it makes it a lot more interesting than the necromancer done in any other game. This includes EverQuest and Diablo and those other ones where we've had necromancers. It's just it's so different. It's definitely one that I'm going to sit down with, and, and it, it's just intriguing and i want to know more about it. i want to i want to level it up i want to get the i want to get more into the class to see what it can do later on especially in combination with other classes because it is just it took me by surprise and that's the best way i can i can really phrase it it took me by surprise okay yeah it is one that i'm looking forward to playing however that is going to have to be a little later on for me uh because i'm gonna have to basically pay to have an extra slot we're gonna get into those kind of things after we're done with the classes okay let's move on to the ranger now have you played the ranger at all yet i've only done a little bit i've i've created a uh basically a silvari ranger just long enough uh to get the pet and get through the green warrior stuff and that was about it okay yeah you chose it because you wanted the fern hound yep okay i actually went with the human because like i said i wanted to do it just so that i can see if the human thing gets better the quest line gets better and also because i wanted to experience the level 30 traits as a human and see if what they're like kind of thing and so i made this 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 furry human, this <laughs> big bushy beard. My idea is he's out in the bush. Who's taking time to shave? Hell, I'm at home all the time and I don't take time to shave. So of course, so he's got this massive beard and he's got the heritage uh, uh, leather set, medium set that looks kind of wicked. So what I did with him though, because I was not in a hurry to actually do the human questing, of course, is I decided that I was going to work on the pets because say what you will about, you know, rangers and whatnot. It's the same as hunters and wow. It's all about the freaking pets. There's a certain amount of prestige in getting certain pets and, and working it out and trying to trap them all and whatnot. So pets work really differently in this game. Now, some of it is, fantastic and some of it really needs work so what's fantastic is that you have access to your stable of pets all the time you have a primary and a secondary for land and a primary and secondary for water that you can set and then as you're in battle you can switch between them that is phenomenal you don't wait until they're nearly dead you switch them out so that they have a chance to heal up quickly and then you can rotate them so that you have a constant power source their dps source going or a threat source so that they're keeping the mob off view there are a lot of differences in terms of the um the damage the survivability the precise precision all kinds of different things with each pet they do have a lot of different things and then they have four different abilities that they have as well the thing that they don't have a lot 
is just plain variety. Mm-hmm. There are not a lot of pets that you can tame. Now, I set this as a, I have to do this before today's episode. I tamed every single ranger pet that is possible without doing the Hall of Mon- Monuments special because in the Hall of Monuments, there are four different pets that you can get. Pet skins is all it is. The Black Moa, if you have level 15 for um Hall of Monuments, the Rainbow Jellyfish at level 20, the White Raven at 25, and the Black Widow Spider at level 30. And you can see some people running around with those right now. So I don't have any of those. I'm, I'm like four points off of the freaking Black Moa. <laughs> uh, so, and I might still go to it. The great thing about the Hall of Monuments is that it's still going. You can slowly keep working on those things because some of those rewards are unbearably cool like i've got the again the dragon sword and i've had people asking me where did you get that sword and i always just rp it and i tell them that i (laughs) i stole it (laughs) off a dead char's corpse and then i just run away (laughs) and um and so the pet system though is seriously lacking in terms of variety you also have a lot of the same types of of pets. I mean, there's a boar, there's a warthog, there's a freaking pig. Who's going to equip a pig to go around? Yes, it has a cool little ability, but I mean, you're not going to use it. There's, there's like four different types of lash tails or devourers that all looked damn near the same. There's like three or four of the spiders, which look very much alike and mm-hmm. in some cases have the exact same stats and abilities. The, um, the cats are damn or, I mean there's slight differences but not enough to make it worthwhile. Overall seriously seriously lacking. Also, my guy did nothing but go after pets and he's level 15 now because once again you get more experience just going around and exploring and taking parts and things. I didn't do any questing per se. I just went around if there was a dynamic event i tried to take part in it if not i just kept running and then i i tried to discover zones as i was going the waypoints and then i also if there was a skills um challenge that was doable by me i would do it so that's all i did on the way and he got to level 15 and the last pet he got is the hawk which is the hardest freaking one to get because the only place that there's a juvenile hawk apparently is in a level 50 to 60 zone. Now, in the earlier zones, you can run past shit, evade, do some rolls, and you can get past them. Once you get there, that sh- they're throwing lightning bolts at you. They're throwing poison things. It's just one thing after another. And I lost more money by waypoint resing. It was, uh, it was insane how much money I lost, but I kept trying any different things that I possibly could. And I finally got the bastard. But <laughs> the fact that at level 15, only a few days after launch, meanwhile having two level 11s, two level 10s, and a level 5. Well, actually, sorry, not 11 anymore. He's level 15. On my account, and and also spending a lot of time just dinking around, doing weird-ass shit, having fun kind of thing. The fact that this early on, I've got them all, you've got a problem. Okay, you need more. The other thing is, is that as you're traveling through the world, there's some really cool pet models. My God, there's freaking the 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 raptor creatures are insanely cool. The griffin creatures are unbearably cool, and then you have a variety of different rock creatures, rock dogs, and all kinds of things, like and all these blends of the two, like eagle griffin, hawk griffins. 
so many cool creatures and I got a fucking pig. Okay, I've got I've got a Marmaduke dog <laughs> by my side. Like the there's not enough really cool stuff. I mean, when you're looking at the pets for Hunters and WoW, I mean, there are insanely cool spirit beasts, regular pets, rare ones that are harder to get, all kinds of things. Like my son has now a hunter and what has kept him with the class up to 80, he's 84 now, has been that wanting to get really cool different pets. And that's part of the fun. So, and like, I mean, part of the problem right now too is say in world versus world, those pets are damn near useless for the most part. If you are in a huge battle, you better keep a very close eye on your pet because it's going to die fairly fast as well. They need to work on the stats for them to make them more viable. And -hmm. also they need to insert a crap ton more of them, different skins, cooler things. They, They really need to work on this a lot. And then like in terms of abilities and whatnot, you have some still some very cool different abilities. Like the differences between the longbow and the shortbow is actually fairly noticeable. Really nice um, target versus target versus AOE damage and different things like that. And then you got your hatchet that does a really nice uh, AOE ability. The, the best one, of course, and this is for anybody who does want to do like I do and just go out and tame all the things, level up your war horn because it can give you a boon that increases your swiftness to make you faster. And you want to get the fuck away from <laughs> these level 60s that are chopping on your ass. <laughs> that means a lot. And then you want to also work on your traits because you can have a passive, a passive ability that makes you run faster. And then you can also get quickness. So all of these things are very important. Now, taking that completely off the table, though, the pets, in terms of abilities, the abilities that you get from the ranger are, again, very nice, where you can have uh, different spirits that give a, a group boom buff or boon or revives or different things like there's three or four different spirits that i've already unlocked which are these awesome looking freaking things that appear beside you so the ranger has the potential to be a very very fun class to play the main thing that i think they need to work on is the pet system because it is so important to the class well yeah and, and that's the thing like you you need if it's going to be a, a pet class, those pets need to be robust and interesting, and there needs to be a variety, or the pet class kind of falls on its face. Well, the thing is, is that what's the point then? Literally, I'm 15, I've got them all. What's the point of a pet if it's if there's no, listen, you're going to have to wait until you're level 80 to get this type. Mm-hmm. Then you've got something to shoot for, and there are so many different ones. If they told me you can't get an eagle griffin until you level to 60 dude i'm putting my mesmer on hold i'm getting my ranger to 60 i will have one of those summon bitches so <laughs> they need to work on that okay let's move on to the thief the thief is one that i level to 11 that is my silvari i really really like the thief too he comes in at a solid three for me i really enjoyed it a lot insane in the freaking brain dps nice abilities with the different weapons excuse me you start off with the daggers which allow you a lot of 
maneuverability around your target so that they don't hit you as much and so that you're hitting from behind. If you get a sword, you can jump to them really fast to start uh, doing damage. Although the one thing that I found is that one of the abilities with the swords sends you to teleport to the mob where you do damage. And if you hit it again, it teleports you back. The problem with that is that if while you're in a battle, you don't teleport back at any point, but you keep going forward, say with these mm -hmm. group dynamic events that happens, if you hit that button again, it's sending you way the hell back to freaking dodge. And now you got to run all the way back to catch up with everybody. I found that needs some work. But the thing that I loved as well is that if you are a little lower level than the rest of the group, then you can just equip dual pistols and yep. you could do really good dps with really good with nothing with two two pistols and the skills that you get the abilities are fun as well like i finished off the quest line i beat the the, the main um, antagonist for the quest line for the white stag and he would have been too hard because it was a couple of levels too high for me with the uh the daggers pistols. i used pistols i kited that bastard all over and it was a ton of fun. The Thief is a very, very fun class. Yeah, the Thief has been a lot of fun, especially for me, the animations. Um, because I'm just sitting there going, wow, that's that's really pretty. Uh, I've been thoroughly impressed with it in general. Uh, but I will say that the, the idea of having the Pistol Thief has been intriguing at the very least. Oh, yeah. Um, and I like the idea, like, my, my personal favorite, honestly, is the teleportation thing that you get with the, the Pistols where you can make a shot and you appear wherever the shot is, yeah. it makes it so much more fun trying to Isn't deal with... Isn't that with a short bow, though? I thought that um, was a short bow. No, that's that's one of the pistols. Okay. Um, But it's kind of cool because it's like, that's such a thief thing. So, like, just be able to kind of like, oh, I'm going to shoot at you. Oh, no, I'm actually behind you. <laughs> oh, yeah. And it, it was just kind of cool to sort of have those very, very thief things. And one of the cool things, you can dodge in the game, if you haven't already known that. Um, everybody can dodge. You can dodge abilities by double tapping a direction or by pressing, by default, the V key to initiate it. Um, and it costs stamina, and stamina rebuilds over, over the time. The thief dodge is this cool sort of like ninja blur. So whenever you dodge, it's like you phase out of reality and you're replaced by these black streaks. And then you rematerialize back where you're going to be. And I thought that was really, really, really awesome. It was just kind of a cool little touch yeah. to the Thief class. Oh, yeah. And then the traits for those two are really, really cool. You can do insane DPS. There's some passive abilities that will increase it, or there's other abilities that will allow you to do more. You can also be laying traps with them or trip mm -hmm. wires, all kinds of stuff. The thief is a very, very fun class. Yet again, one of those that I want to, I want to finish it off though. That's one of the ones that I'm thinking I want to wait till I level something up to 80 so that I can drop really insanely cool gear for it. Like oh, really, absolutely. really cool gear so that it's doing even more. I want to be able to rip shit apart so fast. Which that... is, it's funny for me because it's my favorite class to duo with actually on the engineer. Right, right, yeah. We, especially in World v. World. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, fun, fun class. Okay, the last one we're looking at is Warrior. Again, that's the one that I, my Guild Wars character, the profession was uh, warrior essentially, and then warrior monk for the most part, which was a popular build. Um, 
ArenaNet likes warriors. They they yes. always have, and so you see that loving here as well. Unfortunately, I haven't leveled my mine enough to really be saying too much about it. I did find that until I got the heroic leap ability to jump to where the mobs are, I was not enjoying it. As soon as I got that, then it's okay. I can get into the fray fast. That's good. But and that's that's really the trick with it too, because it's the most fun when you can get into combat. The problem is there are so many ranged classes and ranged friendly classes that unless you can quickly get into combat, the warrior is sort of left out in the cold. Yep. That's the one drawback for it. Um, that said, it is insanely fun, and it's actually probably going to be the third one that I level up, uh, second being the thief, and then that's going to be the, the, the warrior yeah. here. Um, they do. They have the potential to do an absolute insane amount of damage between charges and knockups and knockbacks and sweeps and cleaves. They have all of these amazing, just juggernaut-like abilities, and that's what they are. They are these masters of melee combat. So they have all these cool little things that they can do. Um, one of my favorite was like it sort of looks like a dragon punch from Street Fighter, where the warrior charges in and like completes this pass through motion with whatever weapon you have. I think it's the uh, I think it's the long sword. I don't remember, but he just like cl tries to cleave the front of the face off and then lands in this big thump of smoke and keeps going. And I was, I was sitting there, I pressed the button, and I'm like, oh. Oh, that's, that's, that's actually really cool. So it's like the kind of the classic fantasy fighter is what the warrior really is. Yeah. And then they can do, they can use quite a few weapons. I'm not sure oh, exactly God. what, but I they can. They have the broadest range of weapons. Yeah, I, I believe so. Yeah. One of the coolest, I think, is when they have the hammers. And the hammers is really, really awesome on them, too, because it's just like these massive sweeping arcs of you are going to fucking die if you stand inside of this, this circle of pain. Yeah. Very, very obviously cool stuff. Uh, okay, let's touch now on some of the things that we consider to be issues with the game. I'm going to start off with the first one, which for me is essentially ArenaNet kind of lied to us when they were promoting the game, saying that the, the dynamic events were dynamic and that there were consequences to it. There really isn't. Think of dynamic events more like a random event. It's going to happen eventually, and if you stick around, it'll happen and you can be a part of it. And in some cases, the timer on it is very short. It's going to happen again real soon. So there's no real consequences to winning or losing. Not yet. not yet. I don't think that that'll change, but it's just that it's, it's, it's still fun because there are... It's random. So you're going to get dynamic events happening at different places. And then you could just go and join or not. But the way that they had led us to believe there's consequences. The centaurs are invading, like they said. And if you don't go save them, the village gets burned. Yeah, but it kind of rebuilds itself pretty fast, you know. And what happens more so than that is just that NPCs will hold off invading forces just long enough for you to get there and to offer a, lend, a hand. So dynamic events are not dynamic events. They're random events. Take part in them if you want. It's great XP. It's money in your pocket as well because they'll send you a, a mail message with some coppers. So that's the one big thing. I was hoping for those dynamic events, and that's not what we got. No, and, and the, other the other grip I have about them, they're too easy to cheese. And what I mean by they're too easy to cheese is that a lot of the dynamic events, especially in the starting areas, you kill one mob and then walk away. You still count as participating yeah. in the event. 
And if you don't do anything else, you'll still get a bronze level participation, which is still a decent chunk of experience uh, and a decent amount of like gold and karma and, and stuff like that, or, or just in general, the rewards. Um, and I noticed this when I was moving on to do a jumping puzzle because I accidentally went through a dynamic event and hit one of the mobs because it was attacking me. And then I go on to the jumping puzzle. And then in the middle of the jumping puzzle, I get the completion for the, the dynamic event. And I'm like, I'm like 15 miles into the sky right now. I'm nowhere even near this place. And yet there I go. I still get a, I still get a reward. So, I mean, they're, they're, it's not nearly as polished uh, as it needs to be. Yeah. Or as we were led to believe. Yeah. See, I noticed it, especially on my Ranger, because like I said, all I did was look up where creatures are and then head to those zones. And if something was happening, I'd go in and throw a couple of shots and keep running and I'd get credit. So, I mean, it's it's a cheap way to do it, but I don't know how they can fix it, but I'm certain they can figure out some way to do it. My My main thing is just that... You bastards lied to us, but I should be used to it because a lot of devs do this for their games. So I was led to believe that there would be consequences to actions and not taking part or not winning. That's not how it works. Think of it more like random events, and then you'll enjoy them a hell of a lot more. The other thing that I have a pretty big problem with is, in my opinion, and now let me preface this by saying, I know that this is a free-to-play game. We, yes, we paid for the actual game, but now we never have to pay again if we don't want to, which is fantastic, the same as Guild Wars. And I'm more than willing to pay to help support them as time goes on by buying various items in their stores. Mm-hmm. However, I feel that some of the costs of things are prohibitive. Way too high. I think that having to pay $10 for an extra character slot is way too high literally five character slots you could have bought yourself another game to me that is not right it shouldn't be as much as a new game to get the amount of just character slots in your thing the i think that the to be able to buy new bags or new vault spaces again is too high that's that's pretty goddamn high for one extra bag space on one character. And then when you're looking at the outfits that they've got, now I was more than willing, even though the game just came out, even though I paid for a digital deluxe, even though I paid money for my son's copy as well, and then he put in some as well, I was willing to plonk down some money for one of the skins that they have for their outfits, not for their in-town outfits, which is different, but their actual skins. However, Mm -hmm. it's one use only. And you replace gear so fast leveling up, there is literally no reason to buy these until you're max Max level level with with the gear that you want for that character, and then you can get it for that. And then, but you're then rarely ever going to play that because you're going to be leveling other characters. That it's way too high. Like you're looking at ten bucks for like you know eight to ten bucks for a full outfit. That if you bought it for a character as you were leveling, that you will out-level that gear in hours. I'm not even talking days. Hours, you're likely to out-level it. That really bothered me immensely. I mean, those outfits should be priced way lower or allow you to put them back again on gear. Same as the um, Hall of Monuments stuff. You can keep going back to the Hall of Monuments and put it as often as you want. 
that there had they done that for the uh the gear for the uh, the ones that they have right now i would have definitely bought at least one if not two sets for my different characters that i did not like you know that's and that's one of my big gripes with it too as far as the cost of it like i'm a i'm a big proponent of free to play i really really am and i'm one of those people that i've spent a lot of money on extra shit for the free to play league of legends being a perfect example where I have purchased probably about two to three hundred dollars in skins and random crap because I enjoy them. But these, it's like when you look at the price of gems and you look at how many gems things take, like even their digital deluxe, the digital deluxe, if you purchased it with actual money, was 20 bucks. After the after the fact, it's about 35 bucks, 30, 35 bucks if you want to get that stuff in there. And most of the stuff in there are one use or limited use only. So, I mean, it's like it, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Like the the banker, the Gollum banker lasts for five hours, you know, and it, yeah. it, it's it it it's gone. And you can buy another one, but it's gone. And that, that doesn't and that doesn't that's not cool. Um, the transmog cubes, I think, are a nice idea. Um, but again, they're one use and they're kind of expensive just to make gear look like something else. And you have no way to get them in game unless you get a black lion chest and happen to get a black lion key. So, I mean, like I'm sitting there, I have like eight black lion chests that I'm never going to open because unless I get a key form in game, because the keys are also like 200 gems and that's, that's fairly steep for an item that may be eight levels below you, you know? And it, I don't know. It's just, it's, I think they need to revisit their store system and take a look at the cost, take a look at how much things are and make some adjustments because I have a feeling that's going to hurt them yeah. quite a bit. Yeah. And like I said, by now already, had the price been reasonable for an extra slot, I would have bought at I would least, have bought one as well. At yeah. least one, if not a couple, because I do want to play other classes, professions, sorry, that I uh, that I can't right now. So I would have bought at least one, if not two or three, maybe even, if it was a reasonable price. And the outfits, I would have bought at least one, if not more, by now, if they were reusable for the, uh, the same way as the they are for the Hollow Monument stuff. I mean... You're still getting your money because we're going to buy those for each of our characters if we want to kind of thing. So you're still going to get money from your clientele. But to make it so that they have to redo it every time they change a pair of freaking gloves, that's ridiculous. Yeah. And, so, then that, and it happens quite a bit. Yeah. And so, I mean, it's, it's tweaking right now. Hopefully they will learn from this and they will drop it because otherwise, unfortunately, I ain't never buying that stuff. I, I mean, I'll buy maybe an extra slot or two, but that's not going to be right away and it'll be way later on once I've finished with the ones I have. The other big thing that we're seeing problems with is the overflow, which in yes. concept is fantastic. To keep a, a, a level amount of people playing in a world, they're offering this overflow area where you go and quest and there's still lots of other people in there. You do your stuff and eventually, normally pretty fast, you'll get put back into your world. In theory, it works great. If you're playing solo, it works amazing. If you're playing in a group, I've had it where where I played with my son, it was seamless. It could have been the time of day that we were playing, so we didn't go into overflows often, but it was fantastic. But for the most part, and we saw this when we were playing together, my God, mm -hmm. you're never in the same world. Well, you can't see each other on the map, even when you are in the same world, which is a problem they're working on. There was some serious grouping 
problems that they need to work on. Well, there's another issue too with that, and this is because it's a, a feature that's not working right now. When you're in a group with somebody who's in overflow and one of the players isn't in an overflow, you're supposed to be able to right-click on the portrait yeah. of that party member and either they can, they can go to you or you can go to them. And it doesn't work right now. Like It's something that it's supposed to be there. But if you right-click the portrait of somebody in your group, you don't have that option right now. Or you do and it doesn't work. I've seen that with or, my son. Or you do and it doesn't work. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the fact that it should be there um, it's and it's not and it's not working – that's a problem. Like that should have been fixed in my opinion before release. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the same things too with, with guild issues that you're, they're experiencing. There's Tons of them. a lot of them that you're thinking, okay, guys, this should have been taken care of by now. Like, I mean, the game's been in development for a freaking long time. I expect there's going to be some certain bugs. That's fine. I get it. But there's some certain things that you're thinking this should have been taken care of beforehand. Same as their security issues right now. Any MMO that's coming out right now that doesn't have some form of authenticator, you're doing something wrong. You, you, you're not playing other MMOs and seeing how hackers are wreaking havoc on the, the player base. So here we got it where they, they quickly did a quick fix where it was the email authentication, which they've had nothing but problems on and off for. Like, I mean, the other day, yesterday, it was like over three hours that people weren't able to get in because the authenticator for the email wasn't working. I happened to be in the game at some point. I authenticated that shit and said, remember this. And then while I was in, it crashed. It booted me out. Try to get back in. Authenticator's not working. So I'm waiting for, excuse me, I'm waiting for like an hour and I can't get into game. So it's like, God damn it, guys. So that's something that they need to work on. Some serious security problems, though we did see in the state of the game, that is something that they are working on. Now, the, the guild stuff is kind of a big thing for me because I, I'm running a guild in Guild Wars. And while it's not exactly going to be a you know major competitive guild, it's just there for people to have fun, I'm still trying to queue and give upgrades, which I think is one of the greatest things that they've done is the upgrade system works really, really well. You choose what perks your guild has. The problem is, is that half of the time, and it's only the GM, can't see the shit. So you can't see the queue. You can't add stuff to the queue. You can't edit the queue. So you're relying on officers or other people of different ranks to edit and manipulate it. So I can't, you know, take care of stuff or manage stuff. And I'm the bloody GM. Yeah. And this is a known issue, but they don't have a fix in sight for it. And I and that kind of bothers me a little bit because with this awesome system, and it really is an awesome system, where as people do stuff in your guild, you earn points. And then you can spend those points on perks and bonuses for everybody in the guild. That's cool. But not letting me be able to kind of adjust it or actually spend the points, that's a problem. Yeah. Yeah. See, I the, the one thing that I do like in this game, which it actually took me a little bit to get used to this, you can be, you can be a, a member of multiple guilds and then the same represent one at a time which is fairly cool. So I started one with my son and then I can represent that one. And then when I'm playing with you, I can, can represent, represent that one. Yep. And so I really like how that works. But then again, when you're looking at then the shortcomings of it, you're like, okay, this kind of needs work. And quickly because guilds are important to the, to MMOs. Um, the other thing too, is of course the PVP in here too. We're seeing some serious unbalanced, 
when you're looking at world versus world stuff, like we're in like one of the ones I'm I'm in, you're looking at like freaking 400 versus 20. Like you're it's just insane the unbalance. So that's really going to hinder PvP because you're not going to want to queue up for that if it's just you go and you get slaughtered. And unfortunately, the ones that I went on, I don't know if it's just happened to be the times of day or it could just be that our our realm, our server does not fare so well. It doesn't have as many people that want to do PvP, but oh my god, it was we're, seriously we're, unbalanced. Which is, we're actually ranked two out of the three, so we're mid. We're middling of that, but I think a lot of it has a lot of it has to do with the the fact that, and this is something that I think they really need to borrow from other MMOs. And I'm going to look at WoW for this one because WoW has a thing where in certain battlegrounds they have a tenacity buff. Yeah, and what it is is it scales the other players based on how many opponents they're facing, so that it evens it out. And something like that I think could be instituted and should be instituted. So that if it is four or 400 versus 20, it's an equal scaling power. And also it could be very fun because it creates some very epic moments. Oh, just yeah. throwing that out there. Yeah. Like the ones that I went into, seriously, we were so outnumbered that your you're, you're lemmings going off a cliff. If you are heading into the fray to go and try to fight, you are, will you shut that cat toy up? <laughs> That's the cat itself. Sorry. You no. Know, how hard is it to take a kitty toy away before recording? It's not a kitty toy. It's her. It's her collar, dude. Oh, dude. Okay. So, anyways, um, it, the ones that I went into, you're so seriously outmatched that it's you want to play a ranged class, but even then, you're getting plowed. It's it's just not fun. So they need to work on that. And then the last thing is another big feature of this game is the trading post. It has been. And I know they've been doing random worlds, get it up to, to try it and to mess around and all that. But at least on ours, it's been down most of the time. So you're not auctioning off items for the most part. You're just either salvaging them or selling them. Like there's been a serious problem with the trading post that, again, this is something that should have been worked out in beta. Agreed. Yeah. Absolutely agree. Okay. Now, the other cool thing that's been happening, this is actually out of game. But what's happened is that there has been a lot of banning going on in this game. So if you are taking advantage of an exploit, some people have, or if you are speaking in a manner that is not quite <laughs> appropriate. appropriate, you're getting caught. Now, what happened is that there's a Reddit thread right now where people can ask a Guild Wars 2 rep, an arena net rep, okay, I think I got, you know, banned and I shouldn't have been. Now, it's not just that the ArenaNet rep is saying, okay, we'll look into it and get back to you. No, no, no. They're posting the shit online of, of why, why they got banned. Which has been hysterical. Because you're getting these people that are just, I should not have been banned. What the hell is going on? This and that. Bloop. This is why. And you're reading it and you're like, this is the shit that we see in MMOs all the time, which drive us nuts that these asshats think is acceptable and it's bad enough that one guy actually deleted his original message <laughs> but the guy the, the the arena net rep just posted what it was and it was like oh i love you arena net so much <laughs> you know what and, and i give them a big kudos for that because everything a lot of stuff is dealt with like cloak and dagger and it's all behind closed doors and it's something that i and and i people disagree with me 
but there needs to be a certain level of accountability. And how do you get that accountability? Well, an easy way to do that, embarrassment factor. Publicly shaming somebody is, is not always a great answer. When it comes to stuff like this that people have been disputing, oh my God, it doesn't make sense. I didn't say that. Yeah, you kind of did. And here's proof for everybody. Because now they can't hide behind this anonymity of the internet. They can't just claim this never happened. No, you have to face the cold, hard reality. You did it. This is what happened. Suck it up, princess, and deal. And the thing, too, is that they actually, what I like, too, is that there have been a few occurrences where they made a mistake. Yep, and they corrected it. That's right, and they admit to it. In the thread, listen, we made a mistake. Our apologies. Here's your time back, blah, blah, blah. Everything's good. And then the person's fine. But more often than not, it is a matter of, no, listen, here is what you said. Now, I love that not only is the person being outed for what they said and li- and being told by ArenaNet, this is not appropriate, but you have every all of the people who post on Reddit saying, I can't believe you say that, or l- laughing mm-hmm. hysterically at them. And it's that pointing the finger and laughing, saying, you know what? You may have thought this was appropriate behavior. Guess what, buddy? It's not, and we hate it. And that, and that and that's kind of important too. And this is just a, a totally non-game related thing, but that's one of the ways that stuff like this is going to stop. And it's you know you you're holding these people accountable and airing their dirty laundry in in a way that's making it not exactly good for them to do this. Because if they're gonna they're gonna argue about it, they're gonna they want their account back. Yeah, they're gonna have to face the music. Yeah. So yeah, it's I, very I, cool. I like that. Kudos like to them for sure. Yeah. Okay, with that, we're actually going to wrap up this exceptionally long episode, but it was, we needed to talk about this just because the game overall has been so unbearably awesome. And if it wasn't for the fact that I'm very excited for Miss Pandaria, and I'm especially excited for our little RP guild that we're going to be doing it, I would seriously be canceling my account and putting all of my attention in this game. That's how good it is. It's it's definitely that level of awesome. Yeah. So, of course, show notes will be up at For the Lore, and I'm going to make sure to put some of the links, such as the Reddit thread and whatnot, in there as well for you. I'm currently working on a video showing all of the Ranger pets, which show all of the stats that they have as well. So when that's done, I will let you guys know. Of course, you can also reach on uh, reach us on Twitter at For the Lore, and if you want to email ForTheLore at gmail.com. And with that, we will see you guys next week. <laughs>